I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Emission, the similarities between the San Francisco Bay Area and New York in dealing with the coronavirus. The focus of the pandemic is now squarely on the United States, which has failed to contain the spread of the virus. While the pandemic seemed first likely to take hold on the West Coast, and specifically Seattle and the Bay Area, New York is now clearly the epicenter of the U.S. cases. As of this recording on Friday afternoon, more than 500 people in New York are dead, representing about 40% of known U.S. deaths. So does that mean that the Bay Area acted quickly enough to avoid a fate like New York, or is that still on the way? With me today is Aaron Alday, who's been comparing the two regions. Aaron, how are the people in the Bay Area looking at what's happening in New York? Is it a crystal ball into our future or is it one that we escaped? You know, I think uh, nobody ever likes to hear this, but it's it's too soon to say. Um, I think, though, that, that certainly people on the West Coast are seeing signs that we probably did escape. Um Thinly, uh, New York's fate. Uh, we're certainly not seeing anywhere near the numbers that they're seeing, um, and I think by now we probably would be seeing the same sort of um, really violent, um, explosive growth that they're seeing in New York. And we're just, you know, our caseloads keep climbing, um, and they're climbing at you know pretty regular um, intervals, about you know tripling about every week or so. But New York has been doubling or tripling every few days. Um, and this has been going on for a week or so. And, and you know, already their hospitals are are just crushed. Um, they're getting way too many people. They're they're not being able to keep up with uh, the need in the communities, especially in New York City. And at least from what we're hearing and talking with hospitals here now, we're not seeing anything like that at this point. So when you say that we're seeing signs um, and that that seems to be in the number of cases or in the percentage growth in them or both. Both, for for sure. Um, you know, we're everybody's expecting that the cases are going to keep climbing um, in the Bay Area and you know all over the country for a while now. I mean, it's going to be weeks, if not months, before we we see a drop in in the number of new cases each day. Um, that's that's not surprising, but we're not seeing them climb that rapidly here in the Bay Area. We're still seeing this sort of kind of sustained growth, which, you know, is is troubling. We want this thing to go away, but it certainly is nothing like what they're experiencing on the East Coast. But how much of that is also really difficult to tell because we know we're not testing nearly as many people as New York is? No, it's really it's really hard. I mean, the numbers are different enough between New York and the Bay Area, especially um, New York has literally 10 times as many cases as California. Um, and so even though they're testing a lot more people than we are, I think at last count, they were testing about they they had tested about twice as many people as California. Um, that's not enough to account for, you know, the difference that we're seeing between the two regions um, and just the pace of growth, because even, you know, the pace of growth would tell us, you know, would make up what the testing, the lack of testing doesn't. So we're still going to see, you know, a similar, you know, increase day to day if we're testing the same number of people, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, I mean, certainly California isn't testing nearly enough. And that's you know, that's a that's a huge issue. I talk with um, with disease uh, infectious disease experts now who will say that testing is so bad, especially in California, that it almost makes the case counts useless information. Um, it's 
it's just kind of telling us what we already know, which is, yeah, people are out there and they're sick. But, you know, it's so it changes so much from day to day. Um, and we're getting, you know, supposedly we're getting more people tested all the time, which that impacts then the case count from day to day. And it's hard to separate. OK, well, are we actually seeing an increase in the number of people who are sick? Or are we just testing more? Or are we just testing different communities? There's so many questions there that it makes that information really hard to kind of take seriously. Well, but we do have one piece of data that seems like it's pretty accurate, which would be the death counts, right? And, Correct. And we're up to, we're, we've passed 500 in New York. And I think in, in the city of San Francisco, uh, the last I heard is we had three. Now, of course, the cities are much different sizes, but that still seems to, like, we would know if we were in the hundreds or even dozens of deaths in the Bay Area. Yeah, deaths are, deaths are a very, you know, they're very sad, but they're a very good marker of of how much disease we have because that, you know, you know, you know when somebody dies and you can test them when they died. And so we're, we're probably not missing many of those, those cases. So those are a really good marker for how much disease is out there. The problem, and this is a good problem to have, is you know, when there aren't that many deaths, which we don't have that many deaths in the Bay Area, um, it doesn't, you can't really look at trends very well. So if, you know, we're getting two or three deaths a day, um, that's not necessarily going to tell us, you know, if they're they're increasing much from day to day. Because if you get two one day and then five the next and then three the next day, that doesn't really tell you much about, you know, are we getting more or fewer um people dying every, you know, day after day, you kind of need, this is again, really um, morbid to talk about, but you need more cases to be able to identify trends like that in deaths. Right. It's um, not statistically very valid. Exactly. From from day to day. Um, but, but it does seem like we can maybe infer at this point that all of us staying in our homes, I think, um, you know, at the uh, for for you and I, we've we've been now at home working remotely for more than two weeks. There's a lot of optimism out there that this has made a difference, both with the uh, Bay Area declaring a shelter in place a little less than two weeks ago, but then a lot of businesses took proactive measures long before that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting because the health officers will be a little bit reluctant to kind of lay claim to that because I think they're just wanting to be super cautious but again, you know, all the sort of people, the infectious disease experts and policy folks and whatnot, they all say that, yeah, it it would it would certainly look like that is making a difference in the Bay Area because it's I mean, again, all you have to do is look at that that California versus New York comparison. And yes, they're very different places. Yes, New York City is is the densest city in the country. Um, you know, I've had folks tell me that in hindsight, you would be like, of course, that's where we're going to see an explosion of cases just because there's so many people packed into that one small place. But all that aside, you know, the Bay Area had some of the first cases in the country. We certainly saw some of the first, you know, evidence of community spread. We saw, you know, little outbreaks kind of popping up here and there. And, you know, our health officers, they just jumped right on that. I mean, like you said, they were kind of putting out the notice to big companies um, to kind of have their people work from home. They were shutting down large gatherings. They were just they were taking these really aggressive steps that I think a lot of us at the time thought, well, this is crazy. We've only had a few cases. Why are they already, you know, shutting down Chase? Why are they like cutting down, you know, all of these sort of events when we haven't even I think that they were in San Francisco, they were cutting down, you know, large events before we'd even had a single case reported. Or maybe it was like the first day that we had any cases. So it just seemed like they were really out in front of this. And of course, now I think we can look at the Bay Area, which is seen 
pretty big increases. I mean, we have a lot of cases now. I think about 900. We're approaching a maybe we're more than a thousand now. <laughs> I lose track. Anyway, we have a lot of cases in the Bay Area, but nowhere near what they're seeing in New York. And I think that 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 has to be at least partly due to the really um, aggressive efforts here. Well, we also are seeing outbreaks around the country of of areas that aren't that densely populated. And I'm thinking about Louisiana, for example, um, and places that have basically ignored shelter in place. It seems to me that even if you think, well, yeah, of course, New York being dense is going to be an issue. All of these more rural rural places, more rural than California, um, seeing an outbreak there uh, seems to indicate that there's a lot of credit that needs to be given to the Bay Area and to the state of California. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, yeah, you just look at their people putting together charts now where you can see it's exactly what you just pointed out. You can see these communities, these other states that are now starting to approach California levels of, of you know, numbers. And of course, California is the most populous state. Like you would expect, everybody would expect for many reasons, California to have more cases in a lot of places. Just again, the size of the state, the fact that we're so close to, to China and have those relationships with China. Um, so the fact that other states that, again, like you said, are more rural that you wouldn't anticipate are now approaching us and even surpassing us is very telling. Like you said, that I think the shelter in place is it is working. Um, and, you know, while we obviously have to stick with it. I'm speaking with health writer Aaron Alday about the similarities and the differences between the outbreak in San Francisco and New York. We'll be back right after this. Aaron, before we went to the break, uh, we were talking about how density may or may not play into this. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of very dense cities that aren't as hard hit as New York. Um, But we also have today in uh, Los Angeles, mayor, uh, the mayor in Los Angeles said he fears that due to a 50 percent increase um, in one day, yesterday in LA cases that they could be where New York is in six days, which is, it seems really scary. Um, The people you're speaking to, what are they saying they're seeing um, in terms of the modeling of where we're going to be in a week? So (laughs) that's a good question. Um, It's, you know, they're, they're certainly giving some some really alarming estimates. I think it was the city of San Jose that, that put out um, some numbers yesterday anticipating that Santa Clara County could see, you know, 2000 deaths within I can't remember what time frame it was, but I want to say it was within the next you know few weeks. And, you know, the that's, that's, uh, that was that's a statement that some people backtracked on a little well, bit. Exactly. And said it was exactly. a little alarmist. Yes, they said it was a little alarmist. And that is and I was going to say that's the problem with a lot of these models is you can put out those numbers and we should be talking about that because we should be appropriately concerned and preparing for that that potential. Um, But those models are, you know, we've talked about this before. They're notoriously, you know, not inaccurate, but they they often don't come true. I mean, these are these are meant to help people make policy decisions and prepare. They're not meant to, to tell us the future. Um, And so, you know, in the Bay Area, they're certainly looking at these, you know, worst case scenarios. And that wasn't even a worst case scenario. That was sort of like a not a best case scenario, but a if if things don't go as we'd like, here's what we could be dealing with situation. Um, But, you know, like Santa Clara County is just today, I think, um, opening up 
the Santa Clara Convention Center, they're moving hospital beds in there um, in anticipation of there being an overflow of hospitals and them needing to send people to get care. Um, now, that that center may never need to be used. I mean, they were very clear in telling me about that. It could open next week. It could open in two weeks or it may never actually open. Um, but they're doing that in Santa Clara County. I know Contra Costa County is making plans to open up a similar sort of temporary hospital um, at a high school there. So, you know, these kinds of plans are put already going up in place all over the Bay Area and certainly down in Southern California, too. And all of that is because they're looking at New York and they're thinking, OK, we're we don't seem to be on a track to end up where they are. We may avoid that entirely. But gosh, you know, if if we are going down that path, it's going to happen fast because as anybody looking at New York can see that 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 thing took off like within days, they were just spiraling. They were having massive amounts of numbers. So when things go bad, they go bad real fast. You don't have time to get get things into place. So you know, we're planning for that right now. And if we look like fools after because we never ended up using any of these things, then so be it. But you know, better to be prepared now in case that happens. Yeah. And I, you know, I saw a tweet on Twitter uh, last night that said the problem in all of this is that preparation doesn't really get awards uh, if you don't ever end up using it, which is uh, a real, I think it's a really important thing for everybody to remember that you're going to be happy that you overprepared in advance if, if you come to need it. There's a lot of travel between San Francisco and New York. We have a lot of companies that are based on both coasts. What what role does that play? Because we really haven't shut down travel between states. It's it's certainly a lot less than it would be normally. But what what about the travel between New York and San Francisco? That is a really, I mean, that's a that's a big concern. Um, you're right that there's not, I mean, there's not a lot of travel happening just period right now. Um, you know, certainly a few days ago, you know, the White House advised people who were fleeing New York, New York City, um, that they should quarantine themselves, you know, when they when they land wherever they end up. And that would be including people who ended up in California. But there's no, you know, there's nobody monitoring that. Of course, anybody who travels into California now from New York is going to be in the same place as the rest of us, which is they'll be told to shelter in place. And presumably it, it shouldn't be an issue now because anybody who travels here now, you know, they're not supposed to be out and about anyway. So they're kind of the same as anybody. The big concern is, let's say this works in California and we start thinking we can all kind of put our heads back outside and maybe go to work and maybe, you know, put the kids in the summer camp or whatever it is we're doing. Um, you know, we may be in the clear, but all it takes is somebody from another state, you know, probably New York will be past it by then, too. But but any other state to come and visit and reseed. Um, and that's what they call it is reseeding, getting, you know, the virus back in the community. And you just you have to kind of it's like a wildfire. They say you have to be constantly on the alert for these flare ups. Um, and that's going to be our state of things until we get a vaccine, essentially. Um, so that could be, you know, a year or two of even after we sort of reemerge from this, you know, living in our caves, we're still going to be waiting for the next, you know, outbreak to come up and drive us all back inside again. Well, that's that's really um, a scary thing to think about in in the countries where they have got a handle on this. How are they dealing with the flare-ups? So in China, and I think like Hong Kong has seen some of this, um, South Korea has seen some of this, and they have seen a few of these flare-ups. And what they're doing 
is just incredibly aggressive containment. So when they kind of when they identify a new imported case and they're staying on top of that to be able to identify that to test and identify these cases they're you know doing kind of what we were doing in the united states very early on where they were you know identifying these cases making them stay at home and then doing really intensive contact tracing to find out every single person they had associated with every place they'd been isolating those people just locking down that particular individual and and all of their contacts as best they can and so far that seems to be you know working although it's it's so early in in these other countries that have come out on the other side that you know we're all kind of holding our breath waiting to see how effective that is the problem is that you know california i mean not california the united states is so big um and there's just a lot of variation in how good you know, different public health departments, different counties are at doing that kind of work and how many resources they have. Um, and we're talking about, you know, in California, we're talking about public health departments that are already strained. They're already going to have been working just crazy hours. I don't even imagine how exhausted those folks must be right now already. And then to think that they're going to have to keep up this level of maintenance for, you know, a long period of time. It's, it's hard to imagine that. I mean, I'm, you know, these people are very good at their jobs and and I'm sure they're up for the task, but you just worry about that happening all over the country for an extended period of time. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't I hadn't thought about I you know, the other issue that we have, I think, in terms of containing these outbreaks is now every state has cases, but not every state has a lockdown measure or a shelter in place. And some of them have basically nothing happening um, in some areas. And the decentralized nature, um, especially in the absence of very clear direction from the federal government, I think seems to call into question whether we would be able to tamp down little flare-ups. That's exactly, I think, the question people are mulling over right now. And that's, I mean, that is certainly the people I talk to that is probably one of their biggest long-term worries with this is that we don't have a good, you know, concentrated national plan for dealing with this, you know, in the long term. I mean, we're having a hard time even dealing with this in the short and immediate term, you know, with things happening as they are. And, you know, at some point, you know, California is not an island and we can do our best, but we can't completely separate ourselves from the rest of the country. Um, And so we are, you know, our fate is in everybody else's hands. Um, and I mean, the thing is that there, there isn't really an easy solution here is, is part of the problem. You know, I don't think anybody really thinks that the United States can lock down its country, its economy for a year or longer to wait for a vaccine. That's just that's not reasonable. It's probably it would do more harm than good. I mean, that's not healthy for people. Um, but what does a long term maintenance plan look like on a national scale? I mean, ideally, you'd be very coordinated and you'd have these public health departments that are really good at monitoring for their own flare-ups and then getting those contained um, to keep it from spreading to other places. But, you know, people are worried that we don't have that kind of coordination going on. And um, I don't know that there's a lot of hope that that's going to be super successful. Yeah. Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank health reporter Aaron Alday for being with us today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.